everybody, and welcome to an all-new episode of Press YYZ. We're the only Canadian gaming podcast you can catch live on Twitch every Wednesday at 8pm EST, as well as on podcast services and YouTube every Thursday. My name is Alexander Kazina, and I'm joined today by a fellow co-host that hopefully won't be muted when he speaks on account of my audio settings on my computer being messed up. Hello, AJ. Hello, can you hear me? Uh, I can see the audio waveforms confirming that they should be able to hear you. So I'm going to go ahead and say oh. that that's a yes. It's a yes. Okay. It's yeah, a yes. Good. I said okay. that in a very aggressive, concerning manner. But all that to say, I, will, I think that everything I is will okay. say. I will say that, you know, we were we are facing some audio difficulties right now with your audio. Even yeah. though you've changed nothing, you are still peaking a bit, even on stream. So I don't know maybe push it away from you so it doesn't do that or something but <laughs> audio is stupid why why is it so why why is our computer so dumb what? that you can change literally nothing and everything breaks what's annoying right is i um i spent quite a bit of time like wrapping my head around how programs like voice meter worked for example to kind of like split up my audio into all sorts of various different sources and inputs and outputs and i figured you know after i kind of overcame that hump that it was more or less going to be smooth sailing from there but somehow like things still get keep getting messed up now it might also maybe be time for me to invest in a new microphone too this microphone oh, yeah. i mean it's not it's not in bad shape necessarily it's not like i'm in immediate need for an improvement but you know i've been doing the podcasting game for a little while now and maybe it's time for me to look at not like a super high-end next step but like the midway step between the two yeah. And maybe something with like, maybe like consider even investing in something like an actual like, like physical, like audio mixer that I can use with it. Don't think it's something that I would actually go out and buy like right away, but you know, things to keep in mind. Yeah, fair enough. Right. Uh, before we fair get started, enough. a reminder is always that we here at ProSYZ stand against discrimination of any kind. While we appreciate however you choose to give back to our show, there is no better way to support us than by being excellent to each other. Um... It's just the two of us today, AJ, as is readily apparent from the fact that there's just the two of us right here on screen. Um, yep. You know, Nathan, do it. Mitch, uh, and Alex Bellant, our film baby, are all off busy doing their own things in their own lives, uh, which means that uh, it's just the two of us to ourselves. And I figured that it would be a good opportunity with the two of us uh, here alone uh, for us to do another one of those kind of rounds of questions that uh, Nathan uh, previously would do on his own one-on-one -on -one episodes. Um, but we talked about it a little bit before the show, and we yep. kind of agreed that we should kind of touch base a little bit beforehand because the two of us actually have some pretty exciting things to talk about before we kind of get into the swing of things. Um, yep. Not a whole lot, but more than I think either of us were expecting. So, I mean, we did. We also did have an election this week, so <laughs> that's a good. You point. know that I, I didn't even think about that to be honest. Wow, that wasn't even part of it. Well, wow. well, here's the thing. 
last night yeah. when the election was ongoing, uh, not not last night, Jesus, well, that shows how before. little I actually remember about it. Uh, the night before on Monday night, I did my cooking stream that night, and I did let people know during the stream, like, hey, you should go out and vote. Like, uh, I wasn't like, hey, you yep. should watch my stream in place of voting. You should, you know, totally take your phone in the car and just watch the cooking stream on the way. But like, you know, it wasn't really on my mind because I did my voting a week in advance. So, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, let's start things right off, AJ. You said that yeah. you had something that you wanted to show me, something physical, something in the room with you. Oh, yeah. That isn't your You're headphones, ready to get. your chair. You're ready to get. Yeah. You're ready to get physical on this podcast. Oh, dear. What is this? So, last weekend, um, I helped out uh, some family friends of Rachel's parents with a garage sale. Um Ooh. And how do, if you don't mind me asking, how do those yeah. work in the year 2021? Um, if people walk into your driveway, it is not entirely enforced, but, you know, you hope people will bring masks and mm. wear them. And 99% of the people did. Some people didn't because they were outside. But anytime we had to interact with strangers, everybody was masked up. So, all right, you know. Yeah, right. and then, you know, you, you try not to, to overly touch, uh, they try not to overly touch uh, too many sure. things and, and whatnot, but, you know, it is what it is. But, um, yeah, so I was helping out with um, a yard sale, garage sale, whatever you want to call it, and um, I got to talk, I got to talking to these people, and, um, you know, just talk, you know. I like yard sales and garage sales and stuff because mm -hmm. of some of the old treasures that you can find there, right? Now, they, they were selling um, so, some stuff that they had, uh, don't need anymore that was, you know, like their parents or whatever. And uh, so it's like their you know, parents? Really old. Yeah, they were selling their parents uh, at this wow. garage sale. They were done with, uh, yeah, they just had no room for them anymore. So they made space. No. Um, you know, like it's old glassware that they used to have, old old uh, dishes and cutlery, fancy fancy china, that sort of thing. And um, I, I got to talking to one of them and they were, you know, I was letting them know that, you know, I like garage sales because you never know what you're going to find. But also there's all, sometimes like some really cool old tech at them. Um, you know, you, you could find like an old Polaroid camera or something like that. And, you know... You know, me being interested in video games, I like to, you know, look for old video games. Now, this thing wasn't for sale, but this thing was given to me, um, not necessarily as payment, but because, hey, we don't play this thing anymore, um, and it need, it could use a good home. And that's, that's this thing right, oh, oh. right here. Oh, look at that. An, an Atari 400. Um, and it still works and everything. Um, it came with uh, Missile Command, and it came with Space Invaders, uh, a couple of books. So, to be clear, um, with, just 100% yeah. clear, an Atari 2400, not a 2600. Because I feel like an more Atari, people... An Atari 400. 400, oops. Yeah, my mistake. 400. I, I feel like if anybody listening to our podcast is familiar with Atari, they might be more familiar with the 2600 video game console that was... Well, that's the thing. When you know, when they were telling me they had this, um, I was expecting your classic Atari 2600. 
or something. Oh yeah, we used to play old the old Atari and stuff. I'm like, oh okay. Oh, I, wait a minute. This is a really old Atari. And so, you know, it came with a, a handful of books uh, and manuals and stuff. And like, there's a cartridge where you can code in basic on it. And like, it's not going to save anything, but you can, you could theoretically code some sort of, I don't know, like translate translation tool or something like that. Something small, something simple, whatever. And this, this instruction manual basically tells you how to do math with like, it was like the, the, for people who had not had some sort of electronic keyboard this thing had one has one built into it, and it's just kind of like a a tut a. It's not like a a proper keyboard. That was the Atari eight hundred. Mm-hmm. Atari four hundred only has these this flat surface with buttons that you can kind of press in. Um, so it wasn't quite the same. It's a little harder to to type on, but um, it's still cool nonetheless. And old old tech like that, like especially video game hardware and stuff, I think is really, really cool. If you don't mind me asking, what's the yeah. oldest like piece of like video game or like video game adjacent technology that you own? Currently this thing. I think. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely this thing. This Atari 400. I think that in my case, the oldest thing that I own is a copy of E.T. for the Atari 2600 that I yeah. got at a Montreal Comic-Con. I might have talked about this. In fact, I'm pretty certain I might have shown this off on the podcast in the past. I feel like okay. I did that. Um, yeah, it was a really like ratty, like the, the cartridge cartridge itself is totally fine, but the box that it was in was really ratty, which is how I was able to get the game at a bargain. And yeah. It was it was an to be honest it was a pretty entertaining read because of course video games back in the day come up with really elaborate manuals and you know for everything that is wrong about that particular game they really put a lot of effort into making that manual as colorful and as interesting as they possibly could so yeah, yeah. old old manuals are a lot lost art form that's for sure yeah i um i can't remember the last game that i like bought that was like a physical version of the game but i distinctly don't remember seeing much in the way of manuals in it either yeah yeah actually the next physical game i'm going to be picking up is going to be metroid samus uh, not samus returns metroid dread so i'll definitely check then to see if that has a manual but something gives me a feeling it won't yeah probably not uh speaking of which uh, I yeah. bring up Metroid Dread. Uh, I hope you don't Go mind on. me shifting gears over to my current home situation. I know that. Well, you know, we other, another interest that. of mine. Another interest of mine is outer space. So, all right, there Metroid we go. Metroid Dread fits right in. Works out perfectly. I'm glad you don't mind me stealing the spotlight spotlight away from you. Um, go for it. Yeah, at long last, I finally, finally took down Metroid: Samus Returns. Uh, as previously discussed, I started that game up uh, a little bit ago before they even announced Metroid Dread. So I was sort of uh, prescient in that regard. I wasn't even realizing, okay. uh, didn't even realize at the time that I was preparing for Metroid Dread. Metroid Dread got announced and I was like, all right, now I really have to finish this game. Uh, finally, after like an intense 
weekend of playing, I got it done and under my belt. Um, it's a really good game, um, but I will admit that, you know, late into the game, I really kind of was realizing how kind of fatigued I was getting by the fact that like, oh man, as solid as this game feels, it's probably not going to feel quite as good as Metroid Dread is going to feel. And that definitely made, I don't want to say that it made the last like third of the game into a slog, but as close as you can get to a slog in a really polished, you know, Nintendo approved Metroid game, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I do. Uh, I'm actually going to activate spoiler modes for this. So, kitties, hold on Go to your butts. It. We're activating spoiler mode. Um, I do actually want to give a huge shout out to uh, a very kind of late game reveal that happens in Metroid Samus Returns, which is that. So, uh, over the course of uh, the game, sorry, just checking on a notification real quick, nothing of importance. Uh, over the course of Metroid Samus Returns, there are these sort of floating crystals that you can come across in the environment uh, that kind of block progression into certain siphoned off and hidden areas and power-ups. And throughout much of, much of the adventure, you know, I'm thinking, well, this is a Metroid game. It's only inevitable before we eventually obtain the ability that will allow Samus Aran to access these areas. Maybe this is somehow tied to the ice beam that Samus is going to get, or maybe it's a grapple beam, or maybe it's like a really advanced late game ability like the Shine Spark, which is where Samus does her like continuous midair somersaults. Um, however, I didn't obtain a single item that allowed me to get past these floating crystals until uh, at the very end of the game, Samus Aran encounters a Metroid hatchling. And taking pity on it, Samus Aran decides, you know what? Instead of killing this Metroid hatchling like all of the other Metroids in this particular game, I'm going to spare its life and I'm going to turn it over to the galactic research community so that they can use its uh, you know, powers for life-saving purposes. This is how the original version of Samus Returns, Metroid 2, The Return of Samus on the Game Boy ended. But Metroid Samus Returns on the 3DS actually goes a step further. Not only does Samus save the Metroid, but it's actually revealed that those little like floating crystals that you can see throughout the game are actually food that the baby Metroid feeds on. And after you complete the very, very final last end of the game boss, you can basically go back and re-explore all of the prior areas of the game with the baby Metroid in tow. And I I just thought it was like such a like kind of clever, kind of brilliant little way to kind of do that. Again, it kind of played on my expectations. I'm expecting, okay, the way that I'll be able to get past this obstacle is through some sort of new ability, some sort of new weapon. And to kind of flip the script on it and be like, oh no, it's actually... A friend it's that's going to help you. It's actually the friends you made along the way. Yeah, it literally <laughs> is the friends that you made along the way. And it is this thing, thing where, like, you know, in the Metroid lore, Samus is pretty heartbroken when, spoilers, the baby Metroid eventually dies later on down the road. I know. Oh, no. Spoilers for a, like, 20-year-old plot twist. Um, and, yeah, it was just... I appreciated this segment because, yeah, it kind of really kind of hammered home that, you know, this is a creature that Samus, you know, had a, you know, small but burgeoning little relationship with. And it would make sense that you would, you know, be grieving over its eventual death many years later. So, yeah, I thought that was a, a really cool, pleasant little um, kind of last minute surprise in that game. Yeah, that yeah, that that sounds super cool. The the last Metroid game that I um that I uh 
well really played was um fusion hmm. uh way back in the day well i you know i tried to play other m uh didn't make it through that and whatnot but i've always had like kind of a a passing interest in metroid and stuff like that how, how many of the metroids have you played um i i tried to make my way through the original back um actually on the wii not on the not on the Nintendo, but when it came out on the Wii, I bought it there um, on the Virtual Console. Um, and then I played a little bit of Zero Mission, which was basically the same game, um, mm -hmm. but yeah. better graphics, right? Yeah, um, better, better everything. Better everything. Um, and then, but yeah, F Fusion was my first real Metroid experience and kind of my last. Um, I, di I did play through a, a good chunk of... Uh, metroid prime but mm. i got to a certain point where i could not there was there was some boss or whatever that i could not figure out how to beat for whatever reason um and uh you know i just didn't care enough to look it up and so i stopped playing but mm. i feel like i feel like go, going back to something like that today if i wanted to like i could figure that out if you don't mind me asking like I'm curious what it is what it what it is that drew you to play Metroid Other M when that game came out cuz like you know Metroid Other M you know famously did not like sell all that well most of the people that played it were kind of Metroid fans that were already kind of ride or die for the franchise was it a thing where you had been wanting like more of a narrative focused experience and you saw Metroid Other M with its you know kind of glossy cutscenes for its time and were like okay this is something a little bit more that I think I'm going to vibe with? No. Um, so I, you know, I, I like, like I said, I've always had a, like a bit of a passing interest in Metroid. Right. Mm -hmm. And I've always liked the, the main staple of, fa of franchises that Nintendo has. And like, you know, you've got Mario, you've got Zelda, um, somewhere down the line there, you, you got Pokemon, you got all that, that fun stuff somewhere down the line there you get to metroid eventually right and mm. and you know metroid's fair, fairly high up there considering um but um i've, I've just always had a, a passing interest in in nintendo nintendo's games and stuff and so i with other m when that was coming out it was like okay a new metroid game uh this one it sounds like this is a prequel um well you know what uh, i'll give i'll give it a shot whatever and then it was something else, I guess. Yeah. Like I can, I can, I can barely remember like too much about it. Like I remember it having those weird, awkward, like you could zoom in and suddenly it's first person, um, and you had to aim with the the Wii remote and it wasn't very good doing that. And then you had to go back and it, it was like part side scroller, part not. It was. It was it was interesting, but not exactly well executed. Yeah, it was uh, it was a pretty experimental game, <laughs> uh, all things considered, yeah. in many many different regards and many many different layers. Yeah, it's just it's a little bit surprising for me because I feel like like Metroid Other M certainly not the worst game in the world. People that compare it to like the Legend of Zelda CDI games have definitely not played the CDI games for comparison. Um, but yeah. it's like, I would, I would never recommend Metroid Other M as like someone's 
you know, first or second Metroid game. I would be like, hey, play all the other like mainline games. And if you really are kind of like interested in this franchise and you really kind of want to explore everything that it has to offer, you know, give it a shot. And, you know, if you don't enjoy it, well, that's totally fine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, On the subject of space, AJ. Go on, go on. There's another video game that I also managed to beat ahead of today's podcast. Did you finish fighting in this game by any chance? You could say that. You could also say that I finished barely struggling to get off of an exploding ring inside of a <laughs> vehicle. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, uh, I finished... Halo 3. Halo 3, and unbelievably if you can believe it there were like no difficulties along the way somehow i just managed to get through that game with not a single scratch nothing whatsoever it was truly truly i don't i don't know if you know this it might be too late um but when you're jumping with the warthog there is a, a little bit of aftertouch you can apply in midair so you don't have to nosedive right down just mm. the slightest bit of app maybe it's too late yeah i think it i think <laughs> it might be a little bit too late uh, i i, I will say i led by showing you know one of the more disastrous clips uh from the stream that i did uh last night but truthfully truthfully most of my time with halo 3 was pretty smooth going um yeah I don't really know where this game lands in my placement uh, overall of the series. Um, I feel like this game undoubtedly has some of the most polished uh, and slickest gameplay of the entire trilogy, but I do think that the level design in Halo 2 was a, just a little bit kind of more creative and a little bit more out there. But uh, at the mm -hmm. same time, I also do have to give the nod to Halo 3 for having some of the most kind of epic wide scale set pieces of the entire series, such as the kind of first chapter where you land on the Ark, for example. So, yeah. Yeah. So overall, you you are you understanding why people like it? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, mind you, I've not really, you know, played a whole lot of the multiplayer, which is definitely a yeah. kind of big component of it. Um, yeah, it's I, I definitely like I definitely the entire time playing through this game, I'm like, I can definitely see how Halo fans who, you know, grew up with Halo 1 and Halo 2 were definitely incredibly hyped for this game. And I can totally see how they definitely felt like their expectations were met because I can totally see like, you know, everything that I enjoyed about Halo 1 and Halo 2 kind of coming together really well. I will say, I will say this, and I did talk about this on stream. I wasn't a super huge fan of a couple of the characters that met their untimely ends at the very end of mm -hmm. this game. I don't know if you want me to yeah. activate spoiler mode, if you consider it. Go for it. Sure. Go, because there's, there's going to be people playing through Halo for the, the first time this year trying to catch up or the first time in a long time and they may have forgotten so go for yeah. it. yeah so at the very end of halo 3 uh both sergeant johnson who we see on screen right here but who does not die in this scene and another character who we're about to see and who does die in this scene um yeah meet their end sorry i 
I feel bad forgetting her name considering she's a Miranda you know, Keys. Miranda Keys. Feel bad forgetting her name considering she's, you know, a pretty powerful, capable female character in this yeah. game, but like I said, pretty new to Halo. Um yeah, I don't know. I just I kind of felt like both of their deaths felt like they were kind of felt like they happened in the game to kind of create a kind of like drama more than they felt there to kind of like really kind of serve propel kind of really, the story yeah really kind of propel the story kind yeah. of forward it kind of i don't know i was reminded of like early deaths in the marvel cinematic universe like agent colson mm -hmm. for example where it's like eh, i don't necessarily feel like you needed to do that and i feel like these characters were you know pretty cool characters that i'd come to really love over the course of the past two games and it's disappointing knowing that we won't really kind of get to see them going forward excluding you know uh, prequel appearances of course yeah yeah and i mean what what difficulty are you playing on uh i'm playing on normal you're playing on normal yeah so I, I played through on normal uh earlier this year as well um in the in the legendary cutscenes, you get a little bit more uh backstory um when it it's you it's only really the final cutscene, like post credit scene or whatever um usually um but um in the in like the first one uh in the first game uh you see sergeant johnson um on the halo and uh he hugs an elite um because hey they they know that this is it they're gonna die and then sergeant johnson um you you just see that see um the 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 pillar of autumn explode on the on the first halo and you know like like a nuke going off everything goes white um and so it's really it's really it become in this in halo 2 it's classified how he got off the ring mm. but you see him you see him die but you it's it's a it's a whole thing um and oh uh fun fact technically uh so master chief is a spartan too right right the second generation of Spartans. Sergeant uh, Johnson is technically a Spartan one. Mm -hmm. That's why he is so well. Is that that it's technically why he is so um, resilient? Uh, resilient. That's the word um, yeah. when it comes to and it it, it ties into why he wasn't taken by the flood in the first game too. Correct. Yeah. Or, yeah. I I think so. I think so um but uh actually in in the lore of it there's like secret protocols and everything that they have uh in case a spartan actually does get infected by the flood uh mm -hmm. and they they essentially have to like glass their own planet if if that happens or something like that it's a whole yeah it's a Jesus. whole thing um yeah because spartans are, are su uh, genetically enhanced super soldiers so you know they have to contain it um because they'll be more powerful than any normal flood or even a, a flood brute so but yeah um yeah halo has got a good story but um yeah i i totally understand what you're saying with um some of those deaths being like kind of out of nowhere and for the sake of killing them um yeah it, it didn't it didn't in it in my yeah, those those deaths were kind of like annoying. 
like I I, I kind of would have liked to see one, if not both of them, survive a little bit longer or whatever. But um, actually, in the uh, in the in one of the what at least one of the multiplayer maps um, in the uh, Halo Infinite uh, set to be coming out, um, which you you should have access to, I think, if you you signed up for the Insider program. Um, I did not. Okay. Um, well, you won't be able to play it then. Um, no. That's fine. Uh, the which it's it's up it's up again this weekend and the weekend after. Uh, fun fact. Um, <laughs> but the uh, what there's a, a map centered around a, a training academy for new Spartans, and uh, it's named after Sergeant Avery Johnson. So got it. Um, yeah. So he, so he does get honored fairly well in, in the the lore going forward it's just yeah it's it wasn't particularly well handled how they just chose to get rid of him or even miranda this was supposed to like finish the fight but they were not done making halo games at the time mm. and so i guess i don't know they wanted some finality but there can be finality without murder yeah I do also, I, I will say, though, on the other hand, I do want to give a pretty big shout out to uh, the Arbiter's kind of role in this game. Well, while it is yep. slightly disappointing that you don't get to control him this time around, I did love mm -hmm. every single moment that uh, he kind of played a part in. One moment that I appreciated where we didn't even get to kind of see Arbiter on screen, but that I really loved is, I think, in the thir third to last chapter of the game, like Chief Arbiter and Johnson have to uh, basically lower the defenses around the tower where the Prophet of Truth are stating. And it's like, all right, you guys have to all do this at the same time. You know, Chief gets to the top of his tower. He deactivates the defenses. All right, you activated uh -huh. your deactivated your defenses. Now, Arbiter should deactivate his as well. And like right on cue, Arbiter deactivates his. And it's like, ah, what a like fun little moment of like, oh yeah, Arbiter is like right on the same level as you are. Yeah. Uh, so big shout out to that. I, I do want to talk a little bit about what my next steps are in the Halo series. Cause sure. um, I absolutely do want to play uh, ODST next, uh, you know, going okay. off of the, you know, order in which these games came out. But what I want to yeah. know is, do you think that it would be worth playing ODST on stream? Hmm. And I, I should say, uh, for the record, I think that yeah. next week I'm going to be taking a break, both so that I can just focus on some other projects and also just to kind of decompress from the conclusion of Halo 3. So there, there yeah. is time for the two of us to kind of figure out what is best for uh, our streaming efforts going forward. So we don't need to arrive at a conclusive decision right here and right now. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Um, ODST um, is... So it's it's a side story, and it's set technically in the middle of Halo Two, right? Mm. Um, the the point in Halo Two where they um, the slip space slip space rupture happens on on Earth, and the Covenant um, Covenant ship uh, enters warp um, on the planet. Um, it's like right as that that is happening. Mm. Um, and, and, and the chief and, um, Miranda's Pelican, um, 
just barely make it into that. Right. Just as they're escaping, right? It's just as that's happening, and there's these ODSTs falling to the ground trying to, um, you know, trying to get... They didn't know that they were about to disappear, but there's still residual Covenant forces um, in in the city, in, in uh, New Mombasa. Um, whether or not you should play it on stream... Um, I don't know. Um, I think, I think it'd be interesting to see, to get your, your perspective on it at the very least. Oh yeah, um, for sure. I mean, I'm definitely going to talk about it after I beat it on the podcast. No doubt about if, that. If you, if you can use the stream to guarantee yourself time to actually play it, then mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, I, I think using this i think using the streams as potentially focusing on the mainline one through five before infinite comes out Mm. would be a good would be good but also i think halo i think we need to see you go through halo reach as well well that's what i was going to ask you say that i should only use the stream to focus on one through five but there are many people that say that reach is, you know, right up there with the mainline games in terms of quality and, you know, uh, oh, great storytelling and whatnot. OD- ODST, well, a very fantastic story, very fantastic music and everything, very interesting concept and idea, um, is definitely a a side venture compared to everything. Um, and... Because you're not playing as a Spartan, you're playing as an ODST orbital drop shock trooper. Mm-hmm. Um, so not even a not even a, a, a genetically in, in, enhanced. You're you're playing as SEAL Team Six essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, as as they drop into the war zone, but um, it's it definitely it's definitely more of it feels more like a mod of Halo Three. Where Halo Reach feels like the next Halo game, if that makes sense. Um, plus, Reach fits into the story much like how um, Star Wars uh, Rogue One fits into the Star Wars story. Mm-hmm. It's It's positioned almost exactly like that. If that makes sense, yeah. So, um, do do what you will with that information. Mm. All right. Well, I, I certainly have time to think about it. That much is certain. Um, yeah. I've spent the past little while talking about two games that I've been playing. AJ, is there anything else that you have been playing that you want to talk about before we head into our topic of the show this week? Which is also um, going to be about you, so you don't need to worry about you not talking in a bit. Yeah, but yeah, that's fair. The uh, you know I I've been playing more No Man's Sky, but I'm starting to finally kind of peter out on that, and I'm trying to find something else to play. Uh, hopefully, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna be playing um, the the a lot of the uh, new Halo Infinite uh, test flight this weekend when that happens um hopefully um it seems like they're actually sticking to the scheduled stress test times this time as opposed to letting it run the whole time and then 
people can play whenever. Um, so, you know, I got to figure that out and try and schedule that. But um, other than that, nothing at the moment. Yeah, Nothing at the moment. All right, then. Well, without further ado, uh, let's go ahead and let's jump into our topic of the show this week, which is going to be the uh, string of questions that we've previously uh, asked each other on our prior one-on-one episodes. Uh, AJ, are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Number one, what is your favorite game of all time? Oh, boy. And does it begin um, with a H? No, I don't. I don't know. I don't think it does. Um, you, you know, I gotta. You have to kind of think back a little. Like so, okay. Overall, like my two favorite franchises, the ones that I look back upon the most, with 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 adoration, if you will. Um, is one one of them is Halo, hmm. and then the other is Zelda. I think if I were to pick a favorite game, yes, yes, I probably played a hell of a lot more Halo than I have Zelda. But Halo being have, having such a, a robust multiplayer is kind of built for that. And it became kind of a party, fun co-op thing or whatever. Um, but I think I think the Wind Waker might actually be one of my favorite games of all time, if not the. Hmm. Um, it came out in two thousand three when I when I uh, when I turned you know thirteen, um, and you know while the main character was uh, of of Link in that one was a bit younger technically. Um, there was definitely a, a good, like, here's a kid at a weird in-between age, doesn't know what he what he is or supposed to be, and d- totally, um, you know, kind of came to his own on this adventure uh, to, to, first of all, to, to go find his sister, and then second to... Um, uh, to re- really sa- save the world, and... Um, there, there was something absolutely magical about, uh, the Wind Waker at that time when that came, first came out. Hmm. So. I, I'm curious, were you a Zelda fan that was paying attention to a lot of like the online discourse that was happening at the time, uh, leading up to the Wind Waker's release? Did you have any like hard thoughts or opinions about it before you actually got your hands on it? Yeah, I uh, I was upset that we saw the Space World demo of those realistic-looking right. GameCube graphics, and then we got Wind Waker, or we're going to get Wind Waker. I was like, "What? What's going? Why you? Why? Why are we not making this like a little more realistic or something?" Right? It it didn't quite make sense to me um, why that why that would happen, but. Um, then then you play it and it probably remains the one that the one game that actually kind of holds up the best uh out of all of them um ju- like just because of the art style decisions alone right right um yeah 
that I now I now I absolutely love it. Uh, the way it looks and the way the way like the way Link's facial expressions happen and and everything. It, there's there's just something perfect about it. Yeah, it's interesting to look back at the first reveal trailer for the Wind Waker because this trailer definitely leans into the campy goofiness of the game, which like it's not that the trailer is being dishonest. There is a lot of goofiness in the Wind Waker, and that's totally okay. But yep, anybody who's played the Wind Waker can tell you that, you know, the game, not that the game is, you know, particularly serious but the game definitely you know has its moments of seriousness it's moments where you know you do kind of really kind of feel for characters pathos and the kind of situations that they found themselves in particularly ganondorf for example and yeah yeah i like like obviously you know it's looking back in retrospect it's embarrassing how much vitriol was directed uh at Wind Waker in the lead up to its release, but I can also slightly sympathize with people who saw that first reveal trailer and were like, hmm, this feels like it's leaning a little bit too heavily it's... into Looney Tunes. Well, yeah, especially after Ocarina of Time and especially after Majora's Mask, like, well, what what do you do next with more powerful hardware? Mm. Well, you, have, you should keep going in that direction, right? And it's just like, Yes, right, and they eventually got there with Twilight Princess towards the end of, uh, at the end of the GameCube's lifespan and the beginning of the Wii, um, but then, um, you know, you, you look back and graphically, <laughs> the Wind Waker still holds up, so it's like, yeah, it's it's still super, super cool, and I think it, it came out at the right the right time for me to have some sort of emotional connection to not only to it, but just to a, a piece of media in general. So hmm. very, very cool. All right, let's move on to question number two. What or who got you into video games in the first place? So I remember kind of asking this question on a uh, previous podcast a lot probably last year at some point sure uh, where i tried to where i asked you guys um what your uh very first uh gaming memory was and i can't remember what you guys said but mine was my dad showing me in the very first super mario where the secret uh, mushroom is in world one one at the very kind of beginning there there's that hidden block that you can't see anything of and you know you just jump in the right spot and oh you get an extra life um that that is that is that is my answer <laughs> well, yeah i mean that's a pretty cool way to get into games yeah trust me it, when i say that it yeah, my parents definitely did not show me video games. Video games kind of found me. Yeah, the the um that that's what that's what kicked it all off and and made games like a, a valuable pastime for me. Um, but I guess you could say it like it wasn't necessarily until Pokemon on the Game Boy, 
um, which uh, the um, which really like got me hooked and obsessed in, in the idea of gaming. Right, right. So. Let's move on to question number three. What's a game you thought you'd like, but actually hated? Okay. Um, we're, there, we're getting, the, the more and more we go on, the more and more intense yeah. we're getting. So you better buckle up. Oh boy. Um, okay, so I have one distinct memory where I raged at a game really really hard um and and like i i had my controller in my hand and i slammed it on the floor it it busted open on the side it still worked it's still functional um but uh it was the 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 game based on the first transformers movie hmm yeah um do you remember and for what console this was? Because infamously, the if I recall correctly, there were actually not a lot of Transformers games on the original NES, which is when that movie came out. Yeah. It was uh, on the 360. 360. Actually. Got it. Yeah. Um, yeah, there, were, there was a boss fight. There, there, were, two, there were two paths. Paths. Uh, two. You, oh, you get the Autobot story. Are you talking about the 2007 yeah. video, uh, 2007 movie? Yes. Oh, that's got what it. I mean. That's what I mean by first Transformers movie. I thought you were referring yeah the live to the... action Transformers. Okay, got it. Yeah, <laughs> got it. Yep, yep. That's the one. Uh, the Shia LaBeouf ones. Um, yeah, I uh, I thought I would in- enjoy it at the very least because at the time I enjoyed the movie. I thought it was fine. Uh, whatever, um, and so. I got to the there. There were two path, not not paths. There were two stories in it: an Autobot story and a Decepticon story. And I got all the way through the Autobot story, and there's like a final boss fight with Megatron, and he was so friggin' cheap that like there were, there was a very very specific. It was how it passed quality testing i have no fucking idea but i'm pissed off just thinking about it because it just you i do everything fucking correct but if i was like off by a pixel in my placement of of the character fuck it was oh fuck this game <laughs> oh, man do you remember it, yeah i'm just in general like there's Part of me that doesn't, I don't miss, but I am weirdly nostalgic for that era where they would make triple A-ish games based on the blockbuster of the week. And yeah, no, we just don't get that anymore. Well, yeah, because they were always, always terrible. And here I was taking a chance on one. And oh, man, did, did you see the way the that, ass. did you see the way that Bumblebee turned into that car? Hold on. I'm going to just rewind yeah. that just a quick second. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Yeah, it. Well, the transforming is is kind of like part of the. Yeah, hold on a sec. Uh, damn it! I think I yeah, rewound. It's, it's almost there. Whatever, it, it's fine. Far. Theater of the it's mind. Fine. Just in, in your mind's eye, imagine Bumblebee yeah. transforming into a car in a very unglamorous fashion that was very much 
uh, not like the way that he transformed into a car in the movie. There we go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Regardless. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It. Um, it was. It was not a good game. Uh, <laughs> which you know, based on a, being a movie game in the mid to late two thousands, anybody could have told you that that, that was going to happen, but. Mm. I, t- I took a chance on it, and I regretted it. Oh, well. I mean, it's definitely happened to all of us. Uh, yeah. Continuing in our trend of, you know, digging up bad memories, hot, heated emotions, question number yep. four, what's a really popular game that everyone seems to love, but that you don't like? Currently, Fortnite. Hmm. I'm not yeah. gonna lie. I think that Fortnite was my answer as well. Yeah, I um I remember. Uh, it was it was the new hotness. I, me, uh, my friend Ben and uh, my friend Taylor tried to get get together in a team and we tried to play it. We played a couple rounds and I was just like, this doesn't feel good. I don't. I don't like this, right? And then, you know, I try to watch like some some streamers um play it and everything and then suddenly all it became at the time was okay, who can build the highest tower at this point and mm-hmm. like as soon as you start getting shots, suddenly somebody's surrounded by walls and it's just like I understand that there's like a different interesting kind of take and a new tactic there even just on a, a third person shooter perspective but like when 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 every match would just end in a sniper fight between uh two people trying to build towers and take pot shots at their their other tower and like there were no physics on these towers it just like it just got incredibly boring um mm. like i preferred i preferred pubg because, like, yeah, you were. it was a lot slower paced, but there was something about PUBG that felt like a horror movie. Where, where Fortnite just felt like, uh, getting shot, fucking build a tower. I, I definitely talked about this on my own one-on-one episode, so I'll keep this brief. But Fortnite has always been super weird to me, where aesthetically, you'd think that it would be the game with the lower um, skill ceiling. The game that's easier to get into and there's not as much to master but it's like just as kind of technically demanding as any of the other battle royale games out there if not more so whereas yeah i feel like something like uh you said PUBG or um apex legends which i haven't played in a little while but long time listeners of the podcast will know i was infatuated with last year um those are games that kind of look like they are as technically demanding as they actually are and i've always kind of appreciated that about them yeah absolutely absolutely and yeah it's for me like i love minecraft but the building in Fortnite just turns me right off not for me question number five switching gears to more pleasant memories uh what's a game you didn't expect to enjoy but ended up liking hmm That's uh Oh, you know what? Mass Effect. Hmm. 
at the time I was, I, you know, a little, my ADHD was a little understimulated, right? And I needed something with a bit more action right off the front, less talky, more, more dewy, if you will. Um, and, and Mass Effect was very, very story driven. And so I played through a couple hours of it and I was just not in the mood for it. Um, I came back to it um, like six months later because that fuck I spent all this money on this. I spent you know eighty bucks on this game. I, I better at least try to see it to the end, give it a real shot, and then that's when it kind of clicked with me. It was like a suddenly it was a right place, right time. So hmm. yeah, Mass Effect. Well, I'm happy that you came back to it. I feel like it's it's rare for any of us to like get a game, not really enjoy it, or not even really play it, and then kind of come back to it and really get into it uh, after not expecting to do so. Last game that it was like that for me was the original Dark Souls, which I played for like six hours, left for six months, and then came back to and beat. Yeah, that's that's actually another another game that um. Every, a lot of people seem to like that I just cannot. Um, mm. Like I respect the the shit out of like Dark Souls, um, and and stuff like that. Um, even more so than I I can respect like say a Fortnite or something like that. But um, the the Souls games um, are, are are things that just never clicked with me, and I gave them a good fair shake. And it's just like there's some there was something. I wanted to go into it without having to use the internet at, to guide me. Mm. I wanted the game to guide me, and it just didn't feel like the game wanted to to give any sort of like I got in the original Dark Souls. I got to a, a certain point where uh, it was like thirty minutes. In, like I the the there's the very first tutorial boss where it's very hard to do, but you can technically beat it. Um, or you, you're supposed to die to it, but you can beat it if you're good enough. I went into it in the right mindset for Dark Souls. Um, and I actually beat it my first try. And when I got to the, the main, I guess, hub world or something like that, it was completely directionless. And I had no context for what where what I should be doing hmm. and it was just I could I could not progress so yeah yeah totally understandable one. totally understandable yeah. uh we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna jump to question number eight have you ever pretended you to be it. sick to get out of something so that you could play a game pretended to be sick i mean there were a couple days in like elementary school maybe middle school where um i just did i just could not emotionally be there um and so i said that i wasn't feeling well and i had a grandparent come pick me up um and i spent the 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 day with them and just played my Game Boy for the rest of the day or whatever. Just there, you know. It was like I, I had a bad case of the Mondays or something like that, and couldn't handle it. But 
Um, I will. Uh, I, I'm not pretending to be sick, but this year I have booked off um, uh, the day of and the, the days after in that week of uh, Halo Infinite's release. So, yeah, I'm doing that on purpose because I'm an adult and I can make those decisions. Totally, definitely understandable. I don't know if I've specifically done what you're describing yourself at like a professional like job capacity but obviously i've definitely done the staying home from sick to play a video game thing a couple times yeah not too much i wasn't that much of a ditcher when it came to school yeah same like i i in in high school there was one year i didn't have a single late or or a single absence so like that that's not who i was it was just at a certain at a certain point i just could not like there was some a few years there growing up that I just could not be there emotionally. So mm-hmm. question number nine, what's the origin of your gamer tag? Ah, yes, quite. Um, so years, years ago when, so the, the a gamer tag was, was first uh, created uh, by by xbox but the 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 video game handle or what have you um is what it's normally referred to and it's the one i go by everywhere now times hero um but before times hero uh when i first create uh created an xbox live account i had the username xbox viper with uh a zero in the xbox Hmm. um and you know that's I would use that for for almost everything at that point, um, but then I got kind of tired of the jerks, the jerks on 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 uh, on Xbox especially, um, just being like, oh well, you you like Xbox that much? How how stupid's that? It's just like it's just a freaking like I didn't think too too hard about it. Um, so eventually, like, I, I decided to change it. And with that, you know, I just kind of changed everything to it. But um, Times Hero came around as a... It's... I, the, 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 main, the main story behind it is it was just kind of an homage to Zelda. Um, and how Link, Link is the hero of time in Ocarina of Time. Mm. So times hero it's technically time apostrophe s hero you pulled a hero you pulled a metroid 2 return of samus samus returns basically 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 um yeah so that that's kind of how i i came to that conclusion but then later on i actually it it worked out um really well that i got really into doctor who at a certain point Mm. Um, and I, like, they were all on, like, Netflix or something, uh, a while ago, and then now they're not, but, um, yeah, I, uh, I got big into Doctor Who, and that's a big wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey time travel adventure thing, and he's a time lord, and he's the, he's essentially a hero traveling through time, so it, it all kind of works out. Hmm. Yeah. Very cool. In your opinion, this is question number 10. 
Uh, yep. What is the best video game console? Oh. The best console. Well, oh, getting a little sleepy in there. Oh, yeah, I'm always sleepy these days. That my, my whole sarcoidosis thing zaps the energy right out right out of me some days. Um, hmm. I mean, currently on my desk, I've got a GameCube and a Wii. Um, I've got a Game Boy. I've got a wired 360 controller plugged into my PC. Um, I've got the uh, series Xbox Series controller. I've got I've got my Vita out here on the desk for some reason. Um, I think I think I'm somewhere between GameCube and 360 hmm. in terms of best console. Um, GameCube came out at, at a prime time for me and my my growing up and the 360 was basically the console of my teenage years uh when i it came out in 2005 so i was 15 mm. um and the gamecube came out in 2001 so i was 11 so that though like that decade and that um that era those those were my two main two two main console uh console loves if you will i i don't think i can choose a favorite child in that regard hmm. uh i'm curious you know you talked about you know really enjoying the original game boy back in the day where do you yeah. stand with regards to the game boy advance um the gba was uh, a better game boy technically um I had a lot of fun with it. Um, the 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 GameCube that I have here up on the desk um, actually has the GBA player uh, stuck in the bottom of it. Um, Do you have the disc as well, though, or just the I, player? Yes, 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 Ooh, I have the disc. You have the disc. It, it's around here somewhere. I have the disc. Well, never uh, let that one go, because they're not cheap. I believe it. Um, yeah, the... Uh, the the GBA is fine, but I didn't have as many. It I don't know I don't know maybe it's like you always remember your first or whatever. And my first Game Boy was the Game Boy Color, and I just have more fond fondness and affinity for that than I do the GBA. Um. I never had a GBA SP. I had the wide GBA without the backlight. Mm -hmm. um, and I've been I've been honestly looking into seeing seeing if I can get a mod for the GBA to put the backlight in to the big one because th those do exist. But mm. um, yeah, they, they they do cost money too. So it's hasn't been a priority for something I'm probably not going to actually play that much these days. So. Right. Hmm. But yeah.
I'm going to skip ahead to question number 12 next. Have you ever had to stop playing a game because it was too scary? <sighs> too, too scary. Um, I... So my... Because it was too scary, no. Like, that's not the reason. But I'm trying to think of, like, scary games that I played. Um, and, like, I played through a good chunk of Resident Evil 4 back in the day. Um, and it was very stressful playing through that. But I didn't end up finishing it. Mostly because I got frustrated with the controls more than anything and the 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 with just how cumbersome the the controls were that made my anxiety playing resident evil 4 that much worse um and so i was just like i just had enough i could i did not want to do that anymore so i didn't um I know I tried to play a little bit of Amnesia back in the day uh, on PC, and that was intense uh, for a bit. Uh, I just... I, I intended to go back to it, and I just never did. Um, but... Yeah, I can't say I actually stopped playing a game because it got too scary. Hmm. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, question number 13. Has a game storyline ever made you cry? I have gotten... I got emotional at the end of uh, Twilight Princess. Um, because I named the main character after myself, right? It's not Link, it's AJ, right? Mm -hmm. So everybody refers to me um and at the very end of twilight princess um when zelda reaches out and she says aj chosen hero i i, I got i got a little teary-eyed at that and was pretty excited about it but full-on ball or cry or whatever no it's not hmm. it's not something my body lets lets me do that well and games games don't quite trigger that response for me or at least they haven't yet sure all right uh, we're going to go ahead and skip a little bit ahead because we don't want to spend the whole night here and I want to really, you know, make sure I can get the hottest scoops out of one <laughs> AJ times hero. I said AJ times hero, like time here, times that's hero my, is your last, last name. name. Yeah. 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 That, that, yeah. Fun fact. <laughs> um, what is the longest amount of time that you've sat playing a video game or multiple video games nonstop? Okay, so do we... I guess we don't count... I mean, 
I w- we won't count washroom breaks or anything, or do are we going to count well, food washroom breaks? breaks or whatever? It's like paid lunchtime. Like we, we can count it if it's not that long. Yeah. Well, nonstop. Um, probably, probably, I I probably put a good eight hours into into a few games. Mm. Um. I know I tried to play when Halo Reach first came out. I tried to play that in one sitting. Um, and that was as long as like any of the other Halo games that came before it. Um, I can... I could... As a kid and, and, and what have you, on like weekends, I would spend a lot of time uh playing playing my game boy um and pl- and playing pokemon specifically um and with like the tv on in the background and like that's how i would spend my weekend um and i you know the day would be gone um and i was i i was happier than a pig and shit when that would happen um Yeah, so I, 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 I can't actually like the, I haven't done like a proper like extra life twenty four hour stream mm. where we play something or whatever, um, but you know I I have had the I have done the new game binge it in one sitting or like do a full day binge like last last year when the Last of Us two came out I played the Last of Us one. And The Last of Us 2 back-to-back. And that was after work. I would come home and put a good six hours into it every day. Aside from when we, you know, would do the podcast. Mm. Um, Yeah. Uh, But but in one sitting, I I can't quantify it. Um, But it hasn't been as crazy as... I know some other people have. Because I, I also, like I keep saying, I my it, sometimes my ADHD gets in the way and sometimes it's very hard for me to, to concentrate on something for that long. Like I can hyper-focus on something that I'm, I'm really interested in. But I can't... It, it's not... It's not an everlasting resource. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. I understand. Even when I have done my extra life live streams, which I've done two of them, two 12 hour live streams, I've really kind of tried to vary things up myself. I think the first year it might have been exclusively video games, but the second year I definitely took breaks here and there to do kind of non video gamey stuff. Like here, I'm going to build this Lego set. Here, I'm going to, you know, make some pizzas, which was kind of the inception for all the Cozy Bears cooking stuff. You, you definitely you have to be superhuman to actually do that stuff for like 12 hours or more yeah absolutely <sighs> switching gears once again what is your favorite song from a video game now i feel like you can interpret this question however you want maybe it can be like a piece of background music it can actually be like a song with vocals it can be 
whatever it is that particularly comes to mind. Any piece of audio from a video game that made you go, hmm, that's a good piece of audio from a video game. I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of cop out and name a, a few things. Um sure, right. I'm gonna try and have a good I'm gonna try and have a good variety. Um but of course like you know the 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 Halo theme is is kind of one that 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 gets me really good, but there's a couple other like tracks in the Halo games um that that kind of speak to me as well. Um there's like the the rock anthem for saving the world in the first one. That's that's one of the ones that I actually know the 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 title of. Uh, Drum run in the first one as well is a really good one. Um, then you go over to like Zelda or whatever, and Ocarina of Time is just completely full of great great music tracks and stuff. Um, I actually used to listen to. Um, I, Actually, the 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 best song in Ocarina of Time is "Last Battle," um, where at the end of the game, after you escape the castle with with Zelda, you have one more surprise fight to to kind of get through. Spoilers. And that song there, yeah, spoilers for a game that came out almost thirty years ago. Um, for yeah, so in yeah there's that in ocarina of time in pokemon gold and silver the battle against red at the very end is a is a top tier video game sound track music thing i, I thought you were um, just gonna say video game sound and i'm like yeah, yeah just well yeah totally. just, yeah the, the the entire sound of it yeah um then um I remember Burnout 3 had a really killer soundtrack. Um, there, the opening title song um, was a song by the a band called the F-Ups, um, or the Fuck-Ups, if you will, um, called Lazy Generation. Um, it was a really killer track, but it also, on the soundtrack for that, um, it also opened me up to... Things like uh, My Chemical Romance, um, I'm Not Okay, I Promise, was was on that. Um, Atreyu's Right Side of the Bed was on that. Um, Memory by Sugar Cult, I think, was also mm. on that. I think that's who it was. Um, and, and like a couple others. Um, 1080 Avalanche had a good, a, a decent, like... 15 12 to 15 song soundtrack because that's all they could fit i guess on the small gamecube discs right um where they, where they had a, a couple of good songs that that were really cool to go down the hill uh on a snowboard with um but yeah uh oh and then you know rock it, rock band kind of solidified my taste in music rock band and guitar heroes kind of solidified my taste in music so Earlier on in the podcast, we talked about like, you know, video game eras, video game trends that are long gone. Like that was definitely a trend at some point. Video games that featured almost exclusively licensed music that you would, you know, play and love and that would 
kind of inform you and educate you about other you know bands and musicians out there that look, you would look also at love. look at tony hawk right right if if the beatles were any good they would have been in the why why aren't they in the tony hawk soundtrack like think about it then i don't know if that's exactly what i wanted to no impart from that that's but i sure no, i i was reading between the lines i know what you were saying all right <laughs> Have you ever wanted to live in a video game world, AJ? And if so, which one and why? Um, I feel like I could live in, in well, maybe, maybe not with how it ended. I feel like I could live in the Mass Effect universe. Um, that would be cool. Um, I mean... We saw that teaser for the next Mass Effect. There are still people hanging around, flying around I, in their I guess. Oblivion spaceships. I guess. We'll see. Um, hmm. Yeah, that's that's complicated because usually these these worlds are facing some sort of impending doom that the that you consider if you consider you have to play the main character if i were in that world would i still be the main character or would i be a side character who potentially just gets slaughtered by whatever the hell mm. happens who, who knows the mass effect uh example is an interesting one because something i never realized about the mass effect series until i went back and played mass effect one earlier this year is that yeah like it has not been long uh in the mass effect universe by the events of mass effect one that humanity has been in contact with the rest of the galaxy and has been kind of like you know mingling and coexisting with them which means that you know in a scenario where you get to exist in the Mass Effect universe, you could theoretically be there at like, you know, the very beginning of contact with the Turians and all the other species. But like, there's a very, very narrow window of time, no matter when you start, where everything's going to be chilling okay. Eventually, like either you're in the first contact war, or you're in the war with the Reapers, or you're experiencing the devastation on the citadel at the end of the first game in the middle there there's like a brief period of time where everything's kind of okay but it doesn't last it doesn't last very long and it's like i don't know i come from a a a very privileged upbringing compared to a lot of people in this world and yeah it's it's hard to it's hard to conceptualize not being okay or being put in those scenarios. So, hmm. Speaking, <laughs> coincidentally, of privilege, what's yeah. a game you've spent the most amount of money on? Um, considering I bought the Legendary Edition of Halo Reach at the same time I bought the Halo Reach Special Edition console for the 360. Um, It's probably that, because that was probably close to a thousand bucks total. I think. Mm -hmm. Because it was like probably 500 for the console, 
and then for the legendary edition probably three to four and that's the one that came with the statue of the the noble team on it um it came with other it actually the legendary edition of um halo reach uh came with some really cool like lore bending stuff like you haven't touched on it too much in the the first trilogy here Mm. of halo but um the spartan program was essentially created by uh, a, a scientist by the name of dr Catherine halsey and you know she had a, a, a notebook and they made that notebook mm. w- and gave it away in the special edition copies of halo reach hmm. and it, it was super cool to see and there's like special like futuristic id scan badges and stuff to like get into oni and stuff but um yeah it (laughs) yeah um probably halo halo reach the most just because i bought the console and the the most expensive edition of the game Hmm. all right what is your favorite villain from a video game and why Favorite villain. I really like what they did with Ganondorf in Twilight Princess, specifically. Hmm. Um, Because he was, like, banished... I Go thought ahead. I just wanted to say uh, I thought for a second you were gonna lead with talking about Ganon in the Wind Waker. He he's a very good one as well, um, but I I like I like this this the overall story of that better than Twilight Princess. But I think as a villain, Ganondorf in Twilight Princess, I just kind of think is cooler Mm. um you know the the guy got stabbed in the chest and banished again um and kind of clawed his way out and took over again um in in a really cool way um and and just the boss fights the boss fight at the end of Twilight Princess in general. Um, the first part being uh, against his beast form, and you have to dodge him as he's coming out of those portals, and you have to kind of like grab onto the horns just before it hits you, and you have to toss him out of the way. And then you get out of the castle, and suddenly you're you're fighting him on horseback um, and swinging your sword uh around on him uh as you go um and then the final showdown and it's just you versus him um they're just trying to uh like what hell even though the horseback thing um you had zelda on the back of the horse shooting him with 
light like just the whole the whole last final boss fight sequence in Twilight Princess is just a lot cooler. Um, Wind Waker, it was a really interesting fight at the end, but very simple and predictable. Hmm. If that makes sense. Hmm. That I feel like, um, like here's the thing. I really enjoyed Ganondorf in Twilight Princess as well. I feel like after Ganondorf in Twilight Princess, though, I can't, there are very few Nintendo games that come to mind that had final boss fights that were quite as elaborate and quite as multi-layered as that one. I feel like yeah. Nintendo kind of got a little bit spooked by the kind of, again, not necessarily mixed reception to Ganondorf, but the very kind of plotting meticulous nature of, all right, you have stage one, and then you have stage two, and then you have stage three, and then you have stage four. And what's funny is that I'm sure that it probably would go by back in a flash if I played through them today, because I feel like my skills as a gamer have leveled up that much. But I feel like people circa 2006 at the time kind of had, you know, they were kind of over it at the time. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. But I still I, I still really do respect that uh, opinion. Yeah. I'm curious, AJ. Yeah. Do you have a deep, dark, dirty, gaming, guilty pleasure? Oh... Guilty pleasure game. I don't know if I have any like guilty pleasures because I'm like open about all the things that I like to play. Um, and like none of them are inherently like bad, like a, like a candy crush or anything like that. Like I don't, I mm. don't, I'm not interested in those games at all. They don't hold my interest. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, there, there was a time, I, I guess, where I was more interested in going on eBay and buying a hundred... Uh, digital codes for the Pokemon trading card game uh, on the computer and then getting a bunch of cards out of those and then never building a, a, a good deck with them because I don't actually like deck building. I just want to play the game. I don't want to have to like super meta think about it that, that hard. I just want to play the game and battle with my cards. Um, you know, so, so I've had, I've had some rough moments like that where, where it's, it can be tough to not, not spend that like, and it wasn't, it was like 20 bucks and you'd get a lot of 100, uh, codes for the, uh, for the, the, digital card packs and stuff and it was so it was like nothing but mm. you know that that's a, a quick way to accidentally 
become a whale if if yeah if yeah if that happens but mm. yeah all right i can't i can't say it. there's too much that i actually feel guilty about fair enough fair enough so all right we've arrived at the final question of the evening uh hit, hit would me with you it. give up video games for life and this is i i should point out typically the final question that we uh end these one-on-ones with would you give up video games for life and receive 100 million in cash or would you refuse the money and I should mention for those who have been listening to the podcast for a while, I bumped up uh, that cash value by just a little bit, just to make it a little bit more appetizing. Because in the past, yeah. it's kind of been like, what? No, that amount of money? Nah. Yeah. Um. So I'm trying to put myself in a scenario where, okay, let's say, let's say I didn't have to give these up, but I suddenly acquired that much money. What would I want to do with that money? And what I would want to do, probably, you know, I'd buy the the car of my dreams, the house of my dreams, whatever. But then I'd also probably want to buy a bunch of old video games. (laughs) Because I'm a weirdo like that. Mm. So I don't think, I I don't think it's possible for me to do that. I'm assuming, like, you know, Nathan was the one who originally came up with this with these questions. I'm assuming that Nathan would be okay with you arguing, whoa, 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 hold on. I'm going to buy the video game, soda, but I'm not going to actually play them. I'm going to have them as a video game collector. I'm sure that that's admissible yeah, within the but, rules. Yes, but I want to be able to play the games that I own. Right? So I, I'm trying to think. What else do I enjoy doing with my free time? And really, there isn't much, if anything else, that I would rather be doing with that free time. Mm. Like, I don't... I My brain, with my ADHD, does not enjoy reading. It cannot hyper-focus on reading. Uh, movies are fine a fine passive activity once in a while. And, you know, I can get hooked on a show and binge it or whatever. I don't enjoy exercise that much. Um, theoretically, I could travel, but where do I want to travel to? Somewhere like Japan and go to a Japanese arcade. I want that opportunity. So... I'm gonna I think I'm gonna have to say no and I I don't know what maybe a billion dollars would would be like the 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 limit that would be the tipping point that might be like if you if you got me a solid B on there perhaps perhaps I could I could f- find a way to manage if I was but like a hundred I was gonna say if I was a person you like you know overseeing this exchange of money and video game time i would still allow you to like appear on podcasts and talk about video games i would not allow you to have no man's sky as your background that would be unadmissible but everything else would be okay yeah and that's the thing right it's it you can't I, i i the that's the thing 
that is the the my hobby of choice, my passion uh of entertain my entertainment passion is the interactive entertainment experience. And so I like it it's it's a really tough one and I think but I think if you got a solid B on there then then I could probably find other ways but just just a hundred million I mean I could with a hundred million I'd be fine for the rest of my life but I could theoretically I don't know. I I would I there were there would be video game things that I'd want to do with that money. Hmm. Um with with a billion, then you know what? I'm going to probably invest in SpaceX and be on the next ticket out to space. So, I don't know. All right. Well, that's fair <laughs> enough. Uh ladies mm -hmm. and gentlemen, it would appear that we have arrived at the end of today's installment of Press YZ. We did it! Yay. We did it! Yay! Clap yourself on the back and pat your hands, as they say. Whoops, might have gotten that reversed. Um, yeah, maybe. If you, if you enjoyed this broadcast, be sure to follow us on Twitch, subscribe to us on YouTube, and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can also check us out on Twitter at PressYZ and slide into our Discord at invite.gg slash PressYZ to keep the conversation going. Until next time, I'm Alexander Kazina. This is AJ going off at light speed or warp speed or slip speed or whatever they call it in No Man's Sky. And we want to thank you for playing. Adios! <laughs>